0: 1910 church today we're keeping it in the house again for the very first time preaching the message is our very own pastor alan signs now listen you've already been blessed by his leading us and singing every week but today he's going to stand up here and bring a word from the lord that i know is going to challenge you so here's the deal Let's show a lot of love to Pastor Allen right now. I need you to stand up. I need you to get amped. This man's been pouring into you. Let's pour some love out on him. Welcome, Pastor Allen Son. Good morning, church. You may take your seats. Take your seats. Thank you so much for the love. I feel love this morning. <laughs> Wasn't that such a powerful? Man, that's two times in a row today. <laughs> Wasn't that such a powerful time in worship this morning? Come on, can we give it up for the worship team? I wanna, I wanna honor my wife, and I also wanna honor uh, Pastor Rea Seves from Revive Church. He's normally on keys on Sunday morning as I'm leading, normally leading worship, um, but can we give it up for the worship team one more time? So powerful. I also wanna give it up for our staff and leadership, um, AKA Pastor Jason and Pastor Angie, who are not here today, but let's give it up. Come on, let's give honor where honor is due this morning. I'm so grateful to be in this place, to be standing on this stage before you. And I count it a privilege and an honor that um, my pastor would believe in me enough to go ahead and let, allow me to grace this platform today and to speak the what I believe the Lord has anointed me to speak this word today. Um, can I invite you into a, a, a time of prayer real quick? Let's go into a holy moment. Come on, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you uh, for what you're about to do in these next couple of moments here in this house. Father, I thank you, um, God, that you've anointed every single word to come out of my mouth to flow from the rivers of heaven into your people here today. Father, I thank you, Jesus, that you're cultivating a, a new story in this place. You're cultivating new stories in the lives of every believer here today, Father, and even in those who are maybe trying Jesus for the first time today. God, I thank you that your presence is here. And I thank you that you would allow me to speak on behalf of heaven. Father, use me as a tool in your hands. Allow me to be the vessel that you speak through today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen and amen. Shout out to some of my friends that I see in the building. I see a couple of friends from San Antonio. You know who you are. I love you guys so much. Thanks for being here this morning. Well, hey, is there anybody in Hill Country, Texas, that can agree with me that it has been a hot summer? Man. I was telling my wife the other day. uh, You know, last year they were like, "Last year we we've only been here for a year." They said uh, it was the month of June, and they were like, "Pastor Allen, Naomi, it's never been this hot at the beginning of summer." And I was like, "Oh man, like it must be a really hot summer." Twelve months roll by. They're saying the same thing this year in June, and I'm like, "All right, you guys." there's something going on. It's like, it's way too hot. You know, it's so hot when you wake up in the morning and you're just like, Lord, let it be 98 degrees this morning. My God, I'm praying for this. I'm praying for 98 degrees. That would feel great today. So if you don't know who I am, my name's Alan. I'm on staff here as a pastor, as a worship pastor here at 1910. I come from California and you know, in California, um, this is this is like our go-to as worship leaders. Like, you know, the the blue jean, the jean jacket, Levi jean jacket, and, uh, you know, that's that's not what I'm wearing outside. I'm wearing it in here today but I'm not wearing it outside because it's so hot. I I can't wear uh, the crew neck that you see people in California wearing all the time, crew necks. Um, I can't wear the the long sleeve shirt that my wife loves to see me on date nights, you know what I'm saying? Uh, She'd be posting on her her, her TikTok and everything and I really have to plan out what I'm going to wear because it's so hot. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Well, I don't know about you, but I've decided that if I'm going to go outside, there's one thing that I'm going to wear. Can you guess what it is? I'm going to put on the full armor of God. Yes, I just took you to Bible. I just took you to Sunday school class. See, growing up as a pastor's kid, this is one of the first things that you learn in Sunday school class. That's what they used to call it. Now they call it Kids Church. They got all kinds of cool names. Over here, we call it anti Kids. Shout out anti Kids. That's right. That's right. Hey, we, if you have your Bible, uh, go ahead and open it up to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. If you didn't bring your Bible, no worries. We got the Sky Bible. That's what we call it in, uh, in student ministry. It's the Sky Bible. It's the Bible that falls up on the screen. And Ephesians chapter 6. And there it is. So, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 6, 10, 12, 14, 15, 16, 18. I've needed that reminder my whole life because my God, my brother got on my nerves as a a kid. And I was like, the devil, I bind you. And right, anybody else have that problem? I'm like, God, renew my mind because I'm just like, I need you to tell me that it's not against people, but it's against flesh. It's not against flesh and blood, but it's against these evil spirits. Let's keep reading, verse 14. Stand therefore... Excuse me, verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. How many know that we we're living in some evil days? Verse 14, stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, putting on the readiness given by the gospel of peace In all circumstance, take up the shield of faith. I don't know about you, but I think I'm like, my ADD mind just goes to all kinds of places. I'm like, I see the Avengers happening right now. I see like, uh, I see Captain American with his shield and he's like, it's the shield of faith, which, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. Supplication is just a pretty word for saying we're praying for all of the believers that we do life with. Church, it's imperative that we understand that we have, there is, something I wanna talk to you about today is actually I'll entitle this message Overcoming the Plans of the Enemy. Go ahead and throw that graphic up. I worked on that. That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, there we go. And now it's gone. And I worked so hard on it. But anyways, so if you're like me, you've been overwhelmed, maybe an overthinker. Maybe people have called you um, overboard, but the Bible calls us overcomers. Somebody say amen. So what does the Bible say about becoming, being an overcomer? The Bible says the term overcomers essentially Especially prominent in the book of Revelation, where Jesus encourages his people to remain steadfast through trials. Let's take a look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 through 5. says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. What is it? That's it. Y'all are doing good this morning. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he or she who believes that Jesus is the son of God? Somebody say amen. Overcomers are followers of Christ who successfully resist the power and temptation of the world system. Somebody say that is hard. <laughs> An overcomer is not sinless, but holds fast to faith in Christ until the end. He, he or she doesn't turn away when times get difficult or a person. Um, these days, we would say uh, when a person deconstructs their faith. Overcoming requires complete dependence upon God for direction, purpose, purpose fulfillment and strength to follow his plan for our lives see we we live in a world where everybody says just do it just just leave the nine to five just take start the business go on vacation just do it does that sound familiar and where do we where do we get the term just do it where do we know it most famously from nike let's learn something in church today We know that Just Do It comes from the brand Nike, but Nike is actually a Greek word. Nike in the Greek literally means, you can look this up, overcomer, which according to Strong's Concordance means to carry off the victory. Man, I was watching a documentary the other day and it was like talking about Anne one versus Nike and I was just seeing all these commercials and stuff and I'm like, man, I feel inspired after watching that. I'm like, man, I feel like I I got victory when I wear these. I'm literally wearing overcomers. Is anybody wearing Nikes this morning? Because you're an overcomer. Look to your neighbor and ask him where are your Nikes at? Where are your Nikes at? The verb implies a battle. The Bible teaches Christians to recognize that the world is a battleground. Church, I hope you're not teaching your kids that the world is a playground. Because <laughs> you live two seconds in this life and you'll find out that it is a battleground. And all the adults said, amen, God. (laughs) God God does not leave us defenseless. In Ephesians chapter six, it describes the armor of the Lord available to every believer. Scattered throughout this narrative is the admonish to stand firm. Sometimes all it takes is to overcome temptation, is to stand firm and refuse to be dragged into it. That thing about lust, I'm not gonna be, I refuse to be dragged into it. That thing, um, that argument uh, at work with my boss, with my coworkers, I refuse to be dragged into it. Giving up on my marriage, I refuse to be dragged into it. Throwing in the towel on my family, I refuse to be dragged into it. I'm not creasing my Nikes today when God has already given me the victory. Somebody said amen. 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 Take a look at James chapter four, verse seven. I got scripture all day coming to you. Y'all just might as well take pictures, take notes. James chapter four, verse seven says, resist the devil and he will, he will flee from you. See, an overcomer is one who resists sin, no matter what Satan uses against you. The apostle Paul wrote eloquently of overcoming in Romans chapter eight. He summarizes the power believers have through the Holy Spirit to overcome any attacks of the enemy. Verse 37 says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, overcoming is often equated with enduring. Jesus encouraged those who followed him to endure to the end. A true disciple of Christ is one who endures through trials by the power of the Holy Spirit. An overcomer clings to Christ no matter how high the cost of discipleship. Church, it is imperative that we understand today that we are living in spiritual warfare. The Bible says, going back to Ephesians six, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Church, the truth of the matter is, is that we're in a battle. And as you read the word of God, you'll see all over the scriptures where the the people of God faced and, and fought against the Amalekites. The, the Canaanites and the Hittites, it seems like this in today's generation, we're, we're fighting or we're standing up against the Bud Lights. Yeah, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to laugh. You know you want to laugh. <laughs> it's okay to have a good time in church. See, we have to understand that there is an enemy and his name is Satan and he wants to destroy your life. Take a look at first Peter chapter five, verse eight. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. I'm sorry, I did, I did not do that intentionally. Bud Light, be sober-minded, I'm sorry. I didn't do that intentionally. I was just thinking about that. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Let's get serious for a second. Take out someone and go ahead and put a loved one. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour my family. Seeking to devour my marriage, seeking my kids to devour, seeking my career to devour. I don't know where you're at in your life, but seeking my life to devour, seeking my legacy to devour. But I'm so grateful that Jesus says in John 10, verse 10, that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to abundantly. How many are grateful this morning that we serve the lion of the tribe of Judah? We don't have to be afraid because we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Somebody shout amen this morning. It's imperative that we understand that the enemy has a strategy against us. Let's take a look at Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 5. This is Adam and Eve, the first humans ever made you, that you see in the, in the Bible, in the scriptures, in the Bible, in the Word of God. And it says, Now the serpent, meaning the enemy, was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. Pause. Why is Eve giving Satan the time of day and a whole conversation? She's entertaining sin. Verse four, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, Your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Little did Eve know she was already made in the image of God. The enemy twisted the truth of God's word. If you're taking notes this morning, would you write down number one? The enemy's plan is the plan of deception. It's the plan of deception. I don't know about you, but how many can attest that there's not too many worse feelings than being deceived or falling into deception. I believe we're in a room filled with people this morning who have maybe had to painstakingly walk away from a marriage because of deception. I believe there's some people in the room who have lost amazing friends and maybe some dear family members because of the deception of the enemy. Maybe it wasn't something that they did in their relationship, but maybe it was a drug of choice that Tore them away from the family. Friend, I'm here to tell you this morning, whether you are the person who was a liar and a deceiver and a conniver or you or you are on the other side of it, you don't have to walk out of this place the same way that you walked in. Whether whether you're dealing with it right now in this season or not. I believe that you're in the right place this morning. I believe that you stopped at the right church today because God wants to turn it around for your favor. Because he's already given us the victory in Jesus name. Somebody who believes and shout amen. 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 Let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 6 verse 16 through 19. There's six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. And let me just preface this with this, it's very easy to be like, ooh, some of these things that I see on the screen are actually some of the things that I see in the movies, like I just saw the sound of freedom and I see all these things that are in there, but I want us to see us as the villain for a second. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devices wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among the brothers. If you're taking notes, would you write down number two, the the enemy's plan is to sow discord among the brethren. The enemy's plan is to sow discord among the brethren. That's why it's so important for us as a church, as a people of God to not get caught up in the trap of gossip. There's so many TV shows these days that's like, oh, what's the tea about today? Watching the Wendy Williams show or watching whatever, whatever uh, E Hollywood News or whatever it is. Right? At the end of the day, it's evil, it's idolatrous. I have a list right here. It's self-centered, it's self-seeking, it's divisive. Gossip is often deceptive. When was the last time you heard truth from gossip? It's maybe it's truth twisted into a lie. It harms reputations. It destroys the trust that people have in you. It's a stumbling block for others. One of the hardest ones is it's addictive. You could get so caught up in your everyday with your same friends talking about other people. It's hardly ever good news. This one this one hurts. It indicates hypocrisy in the church. We've seen so many people leave the church because of hypocrisy. And I would say this is one of the most important ones about gossip is that it risks God's judgment. For Jesus told us that we'll answer for every word that we speak. Come on! I hope, I hope, I hope we feel convicted in the house of God today, because I didn't come to a feel-good, tickle my, tickle my ear message today. I came to hear the Word of God. The Word of God is a mirror that shows what I really look like, but it doesn't leave me that way. It's imperative that we know the plan of God for us. Why don't we take a look at Matthew chapter four, one through eleven? It says. Then this is after Jesus had just been baptized in the Jordan River. It says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness up to be tempted by the devil. God, I just gave you my life. Now the enemy's tempting me. What is happening? Verse two. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And I love what Jesus says. He answered, for it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but it's about time that you just stop allowing the enemy's comments and distractions uh, to, to bully you into a place of fear. I really wish you would turn your notifications on and turn your praise on this morning to stand up like Jesus himself. Start talking back to start talking back to the enemy with the word of God. It's time, Christian. It's time to get back into the Word of God. It's time to get into your Bible. It's time to stop making excuses. Dust, dust the, uh, the 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 dust off. It's time to stop making excuses for not knowing what the Bible says. It's time to be a light in your workplace. It's time to start building up your inner man and what God has already spoken. So many times we like, well, God, give me a word. Give me a word. I'm going to church. God, give me a word. God, give me a word. God's like, I already gave you my word. It's called the Bible. Come on. I heard it said that many, that maybe you haven't been a follower of Christ for 20, for 5, 10, 15, 25 years, but maybe you were a first time Christian 25 times. Somebody look to your neighbor and tell them it's time to grow. It's time to grow. I know it's convicting. I know. I know you don't want to look over at your neighbor because you got some growing to do too. But it's time to grow, church. Let's continue on. Verse 5, it says, Then the devil took him to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He'll command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they'll bear you up. See, the enemy's getting smart with Jesus. In verse 7, Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. I love how Jesus continues talking back with the truth of God's word. What's already been written. Again, verse 8, again, the devil took him to a a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Verse 9, and he said to him, all these I'll give to you if you'll fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And verse 11 says, the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him, ministering to the, to the Lord Jesus. Verse three, if you, uh, excuse me, number three, if you're writing uh, some notes down today, would you write down number three? The, the enemy's plan is to tempt and lead believers away from God's will. The enemy's plan is to tempt and lead believers away from God's will. But how many are glad today that the book of Isaiah says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord raises a standard against him. We're on the winning side, church. And all we have to do is resist the temptation of the enemy. But the Bible says to flee youthful lust. For some of us, we could leave that youthful word to the side because we're still dealing with that word lust. For some of us, this ain't even one of my points, but I can tell you today, what you choose not to confront today will confront you tomorrow. What you choose not to confront you today will confront you tomorrow. You can keep, see, you can keep acting like the thing you do in your private life and your on the side every other day or every other week isn't going to catch up to you in your public life. But I'm telling you, friend, it will. I'm here to tell you as a warning, you've got to confront the thing that you know the Holy Spirit has been tugging at your heart about. And I believe right now as I'm speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's highlighting to you what that very specific thing is today. Let's take a look. The enemy's plan, number one, is deception. The enemy's plan, number two, is discord among the brethren. Number three, the enemy's plan is temptation. I'm not going to leave you stranded. There's practical steps to overcome the enemy. If you're taking notes, why don't you write down number one? Practical steps, overcoming the enemy is praying and fasting. Praying and fasting, building a strong relationship with God. What is fasting, Pastor Allen? I'm so glad you asked. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that's taught in the Bible. Jesus expected his followers to fast and he said that God rewards fasting. Fasting according to the Bible means to voluntarily reduce or eliminate your intake for food at a specific time and purpose. Why fast? Fasting gives you more time for prayer the same time that you would take eating out like I know I'm gonna do with some of my friends that came out today, we're gonna eat after church. Instead of doing that, you're spending time away from food and spending time with God, getting back in the prayer closet, spending time in the secret place with the Lord. Fasting is always connected with prayer, church. Acts chapter 13, verse 2 through 3 says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them, anointed them and sent them off. Fasting demonstrates the depth of your desire when praying for something. It shows that you're serious enough about your prayer requests to pay a personal price. Anybody ever been there when you've been praying for something? God, I want to see a miracle in my family. God, I need a breakthrough in my finances. And you just feel like there's just, there's like a cap. No? Just me? (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) God hears every single prayer you guys pray. Listen, fasting Breaks through that wall, breaks through that barrier and and God sees that you're serious about this, that you'll put food aside and you'll, you'll exercise your faith in this way. Fasting releases God's supernatural power. It's a tool that we can use when there is opposition to God's will. Satan would love nothing better than to cause division, discouragement, defeat, depression, and doubt among the people of God. But united in prayer and fasting has always been used by God to deal a decisive blow to the enemy. Go ahead and write down number two, practical steps of overcoming the enemy. The word of God. Using scripture to combat the enemy's lies. We already read in Matthew chapter four, verse four, but Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Going back to fasting again, put the bread to the side, get the bread of life inside of you. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, you don't have this one on the screen, but it says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Quick sponsor shout out as we're talking about the word of God. Apostle John Eckhart, I love this book. It's prayers that rout demons and break curses. Every time I feel like I'm, in, uh, I'm getting attacked from the enemy or I just feel like I, I can't break through and I just don't feel God the way I used to, I begin to read the pages on this book and every single prayer that's in this book has got scripture tied to it. Church, it's time to get back to the word of God. Go ahead and write down number three if you're taking notes. Practical steps of overcoming the enemy. Unity and community. Somebody say unity. Unity. And community. Standing together as a church, supporting and encouraging each other. Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body joined, held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Isn't that beautiful, church? Can I ask you a question today? When was the last time that you invited someone to go out to eat from church? When was the last time you invited from, somebody from church to come and spend some time in your home for a meal? How long has it been since you said, man, I want to prioritize community? Are we just waiting for the next big church event to gather together, waiting for the church to do everything? And I mean this building, our staff as the church. Or are we intentionally saying, no, I'm not gonna wait. I'm not gonna wait for the church to do something. I'm gonna prioritize me and my family. We're gonna come together with like-minded Christians, like-minded people of God who desire to see God move in their lives. I'm gonna put my comfort zone to the side. I'm gonna reach out to people I've been wanting to get to know because there's power in community. There is power in unity in the body of Christ. I believe that this is the Lord's prayer and his desire that we would be one. Disclaimer, I'm about to share uh, some statistics that may uh, trigger for, um, for those that struggle with mental health. Connecticut General Assembly says about seven out of every 100 men and one out of every 100 women who have been diagnosed with depression in their lifetime will go on to complete suicide. The risk of suicide in people with major depression is about 20 times that of the general population. Church, these numbers are staggering. It's time for the church to be the church. What does that mean? That means it's time to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the body of Christ and we need each other. I'm gonna say it again. We are the body of Christ and we need each other. You may be fine with us four and no more, but that's not what Christ is calling us to do as the body. The community, here's some fun facts. The community actually reduces feelings of isolation. Community and relationships help build emotional support. And community research has shown that when people are struggling, they're more likely to reach out for help. Community builds an increased sense of purpose and belonging. And the list goes on and on and on. 1910. Let's be the church. Let's be plugged into community. Let's build each other up. Last practical step, number four. If you're writing, taking notes, would you write down? Living righteously. Choosing to live according to God's word and not give the enemy a foothold. And I just wanna say this for a second. I don't want you to hear religion because religion will tell you, oh, you gotta be perfect until you can get to God. No, 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 no. It's about relationship with Christ. And this is the type of righteousness I'm talking about. What is righteousness? Righteousness is what's right and pleasing to God. The word righteousness is used in various ways through the scripture. We both see these understandings of righteousness with Paul's own writing. First, positional righteousness refers to how we stand before God. And for those of you that have given your life to Christ, we know that we stand righteous, blameless, pure, and holy before God because we've allowed Jesus to atone for our own sins. But then the scripture also gives a picture of practical righteousness. Practical righteousness refers to how we live before God. We demonstrate and grow in righteousness and the way that we live. So there's the way that we stand before God and then there's the way that we live before God. I wanna just focus on the way we live before God. Ephesians chapter four verse 29 to 32 says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths That's convicting already. You could just stop right there, Pastor Allen. My God, I've said way too much. I need to shut this mouth sometimes. But only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. In verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Do you receive that this morning, church? So we're looking at practical steps to overcome the enemy. We have number one, prayer and fasting, building a strong relationship with God. Number two, the word of God, getting the scripture inside of us to combat the enemy's lies. Number three, unity and community. We're standing together as a church, supporting and encouraging one another. And number four, living righteously. Choosing to live according to God's word. Not giving the enemy a foothold. As I get ready to close this morning, if I could be honest with you, church, and share a little bit of my story. I've been A pastor's kid my whole life I've been raised in a God-honoring home and you would think that if you saw me today man what's this young 28 year old doing he he ain't never been through nothing and maybe that may be true in comparison to your life or somebody else's life that you would put on the pedestal to be able to speak on a Sunday morning But it's not my job to compare myself to other people's stories. It's my job to testify what the Lord has done in my life. And I wanna encourage you this morning that if you struggle with comparing your story to somebody else's story, it's not your job. Just put that to the side. It is our job as believers to testify of what the difference that Christ has made in our lives. And so with that being said, Just as long as I've had a decade long serving in ministry, I've also had a decade long addicted to pornography. You see, the devil doesn't care who you are. He's no respecter of persons, famous or nameless, Christian or Satanist. He desires to destroy your life. It's important that we understand that, church. See, this would make sense if you knew that I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with fire and the evidence of speaking in other tongues, when I was at the tender age of six years old at an altar and a prayer meeting that my dad was leading. And by the time I was 12 years old, I made the decision to go, to go public for, my, for Christ and, and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. But yet it was around that tender age of 12 where one day my best friend and I, we were walking down a street from my house and we saw a ripped up magazine, a half ripped magazine on the ground, inappropriate magazine. And we were exposed to images that we had never seen before or at least never seen with another friend. Some could call it trauma bonding. We stashed it in a little fort behind my house that we had built, it was, it was our little secret. Little did I know that that would be the start of a lifestyle of secrecy, lust and perversion, a trap of the enemy church. By the age of 16, I had been placed as the main worship leader in my dad's church and yet still struggling with this addiction to pornography. By the end of my senior year in high school, I had lost respect for many of my peers because they they had heard about the worship leader who loves Jesus and is singing and recording these songs for Jesus, but yet they would see mischievous behavior around the sides of the parking lot or around the sides of, of of the high school with girls. See, I had given my life to Jesus but I hadn't truly surrendered everything to him. There was a disconnect from the Allen that my church knew and the Allen that my school knew. If you ever wonder why I get so excited on this platform, I go all out running and jumping. You see me worshiping down there today. It's because I have so much to be thankful for. The grace of God. And by the grace of God, and only by the grace of God, Jesus broke the chains of addiction to pornography off of my life. And I'm here to declare to somebody today that he can do the same for you. You don't have to be bound to sin, guilt, and shame. He can, do, he can give you a new name today. There's redemption in the blood of Jesus. There's power when you call upon his name. But can I tell you something, church? But can I tell you something? It all starts with a decision. It starts with the decision to walk, right? It starts with the decision to follow after the things of God. A decision to be a man or woman of God who lives above reproach, above compromise, without mixture of the things of this world. You, can, you too can have a new life in Christ Jesus. And if you wonder why, why is he crying so much? It's because I am burdened with the task of bearing this message to our congregation today. To say that you can live, there's a better way to live, church. You don't have to be bound to the things of this world. And I'm so grateful that 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Church, can we stand to our feet this morning as I wrap up? First John chapter 5 verse 4 says for everyone who is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith and I know the famous 1910 churches is famous for Luke 1910 for the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost but can I flip those numbers around and encourage you today Luke 10 19 says, behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, every hand lifted in this place, friend, would you consider walking in the high calling that Christ has designed for you to walk in? to be vigilant, to do as the word says, to stand guard, to get on your knees before you grab your phone in the morning and seek the face of God, to build up your spirit, man, and study the word of God for yourself, getting to know who your God is. So now the question is, what areas in your life is the enemy at work in? I believe right now, as you ask the Holy verbally ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, highlight to me the areas that the enemy has been working in. I believe that the Holy Spirit, he's a person, and he will tell you, He will bring it to your, to your memory. Ask yourself the question, what secret places is the enemy currently twisting to bring my family to ruin? And what strategies will you implement to combat the work of the enemy? Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to hearts this morning who maybe came in here not knowing if this Sunday was gonna be any good for them, Lord but you said, I have a plan to combat every work of darkness in their life. God, I thank you that you're in this place. Holy Spirit, would you begin to touch hearts? Would you begin to minister to every man and every woman under the sound of my voice? And I wonder if there's any brave enough people to come down to this altar to meet me at this altar that say the enemy's been at work but my God is greater would you come down to this altar? If, if you know that the enemy has been attacking you and your family, you know the enemy has been attacking your mind, you know that the enemy has been at work, he's been busy, but the Bible says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, would you come down to the altar? You don't have to be afraid. We just need a couple of brave people to say, God, I need you. God, I, I deserve. I, I, need you to help me in the areas that I'm weak, God. I, I want to give everything to you, God. I want to give everything to you, Lord. I desire to have more of you in my life. Lord, allow your word to illuminate my life into a, a, a man and a woman of God who will walk in the face of compromise and not walk in mixture, Lord. I need you, Jesus. Come on. Would you open your mouth? Just begin to cry out. Lift your hands to the Lord this morning. Come on. As the worship team begins to lead us in worship, we're crying out to God. We I'm worship you, Jesus.